Welcome to Bible and Stuff. My name's Tanner. And I'm Glenn. And this is a podcast where we talk about the Bible and stuff. stuff. <laughs> I don't know why I whispered it. That was weird. Yeah, today we're talking about Gutenberg and his Bible and his printing press. And his lawsuits. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that will be super fun. Oh, man. Tanner, how's everything going? I it's feel going, like uh, we haven't caught well. up in a while. Yeah. Has anything interesting happened in your life lately? I mean, not really. I had I had a salad for lunch. <laughs> I'm having a baby what? sometime soon. Yeah, sometime Nothing soon. Nothing interesting. What Just kind like, of salad? Like <laughs> you were about to say, what kind of baby? <laughs> like, uh, oh, yeah. The I, reptilian guy. I haven't had anything really interesting happen. In fact, I, I had something happen today that is like the opposite of interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we were in a census, which um, like... I've always thought it's just like they come and see how many people are in your household and then that goes into the big number of how many people are in the United States and then they use that for stuff. Okay. Uh, <laughs> obviously have a very <laughs> remedial <laughs> understanding of what the census is. But this one was particularly uh, about like how they calculate the consumer price index. And so it asked us all kinds of questions about finances, which I didn't know any of the answers to. <laughs> About like your personal finances? Yeah, like how much did you spend on this? How much did you spend on that? And I used to work at a bank and that is always awkward. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my favorite. People would come in and, you know, maybe they overdrafted their account and they would say, I can't believe that happened. You know, like what did, where, what came out of my account? And so you'd have to read like <laughs> what their purchases were back to them out loud. And it's, it's even if it's not bad, it just seems embarrassing. It feels weird, yeah. Like, maybe you had a party and you bought $50 worth of Taco Bell. and But if a teller reads back to you, well, you spent $50 at Taco Bell. <laughs> so, I gotta ask. Seems weird. So, this guy came to your door. Uh-huh. And just started asking you questions <laughs> about finances. Yeah, it seems legit, And it? you were like, oh, yeah, well, I make this much... This yeah, is. he asked my social and my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. So he came to our door and told us who he was and very poorly explained what he did. And so then we were like, eh, yeah, you can. Yeah, you come can. on in. <laughs> we, we scheduled an appointment. He came back. Okay. And um, in the meantime, I checked him out and made sure he actually worked for who he said he worked <laughs> for and that I legally had to do it. Turns out both were true. Okay, okay. <laughs> So, yeah, um, I don't know how that segues into Gutenberg, but it was, it's something. It happened. Yeah, we're, I'm thinking the best way to transition is just take a hard break. <laughs> just <laughs> right now, just deep, deep sigh, and then we'll come back later and actually talk about the episode. No, um, but since we're talking about a guy in a printing press, I can say at the very least that this was really archaic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had a laptop, which was good. And some of the questions asked me how much I'd spent on Uber in the last three months. But <laughs> other than that, it was way slower and longer than it really had to be. All right. And we're going to try that hard break again. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. So, yeah, today we're talking about uh, Gutenberg and the Gutenberg Press. Um, to be completely honest, there's really not a whole lot of information out there on Gutenberg. Uh, and we'll kind of talk about, um, uh, about that in a minute, but today we want to talk about Johannes Gutenberg and who he was and what he invented. Um, so to jump right in, we, we wanted to talk a little bit about kind of what it is he did. 
uh, before we get into to his story and, and background for, for what we do know. Yeah, so Gutenberg, um, he, he invented what we know as the Gutenberg Press. Um, and it, essentially, if, if you're unaware of what that is, it's, it's, a, it's a piece of technology that he created that basically allowed for the copying of, mm-hmm. of text. Um, so I don't like, want It was the first way to make books. It was the first way to, to do this stuff without handwriting it. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it, we'll get a little bit more into it um, in a minute when we're talking about his story and everything. I mean, uh, honestly, when we're, we're talking about this, there, there were a few... Um, there were a few types of presses that were made before Gutenberg produced his. Okay. Um, it was mainly in China and it, it was about a thousand years beforehand, which is crazy to think about like in a thousand years that didn't spread, you know, to the masses. And it, yeah. it's actually because the way that the Chinese were using it, it was, it was overly complicated because they were, they basically had it set up in a way where there wasn't much freedom to change things. They like, they had a block of wood with a set, you know, mm. a set number of words or things like that. And yeah. it, you can only copy so many things with that. And it just, it didn't seem like it was worth the effort to continue doing that. Um, but Gutenberg did his, his press a little bit differently. Um, but yeah, previously to the Gutenberg press there or, or books, there was basically only books available to the rich because literally everything was a manuscript. It was all, it was all handwritten. Gotcha. So Gutenberg comes along and like makes the iPhone. Like there were some yeah. people out there yeah. using phones and then Gutenberg's like, watch this. I got this cool thing and we could just knock some books out. But yeah, very much like a Steve Jobs. I mean, this, this was a huge revolutionary thing. Um, and it actually laid way for, um, you know, the beginning of the Renaissance and, and the furthering of knowledge in a faster manner. Yes, it, it was, we're coming into the age now where people can be educated because we can put information in books and they can learn to read them and they can absorb that. It's not all mouth, you know, mouth to mouth. I was going to say mouth to mouth, mouth to ear. It's not all mouth to ear. Um, passing of knowledge it's not yeah. just stories anymore it's hey we're gonna compile this stuff put it in one place and then we're gonna make copies of that book and and distribute them so that people can learn so the the actual like origin date of the the press and uh, about when the gutenberg bible came out was uh they say february of 1455 okay um which is kind of cool to think about, like, anybody before that time period was gluten-free. <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> yeah. oh. I went there. I went there. <laughs> you did. I, oh. I might have tried a little, <laughs> a little too hard on it, but I, I just couldn't pass it up. Man, oh. I'm going to be a dad in a few weeks. I got to get, you know, you, I got to get on my dad joke game. You are getting really good at it. <laughs> so to, to continue on, uh, we... We wanted to talk a little bit just about, you know, what Gutenberg's story is. How did how did the press come to be, and um, and what does that really mean for us? Um, so, like I said earlier, there's there's really not a lot known about Gutenberg. I mean, we can um, honestly. So, I had mentioned earlier <laughs> there were issues of lawsuits that we were going to be talking about. Uh-huh. 
we'll, we'll get into where those came from later, but basically everything we know about Gutenberg comes from files that were, were written because of this, this particular lawsuit. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, what a legacy. Yeah. <laughs> Here lies Gutenberg. He was sued. <laughs> <laughs> he was broke. <laughs> but yeah, um, originally he was a goldsmith and a businessman. Um, and he knew that he could basically revolutionize the world if he could make this press, make this system that could duplicate these texts. Yeah. And the, uh, so <laughs> he had this thought and he was a businessman but he didn't have the upfront money to be able to, to do this on his own. I mean, it was going to take a lot of manpower and a lot of, um, a lot of money to be able to make this even a thing. So uh, he basically went out and found himself a partner. Um, so there's this guy, uh, Johan Fust, or Fust. I don't know. I should have Googled how to pronounce his name. <laughs> but essentially, he, he finds this partner who... Uh, lends him money to be able to start this project because this this guy fused fussed. Oh, man, I don't know. I'm just going to call him Effie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the best idea. Oh, man. Johan, how about that? Yeah. Uh, he he sees where where this could go. Like, he, he sees that this development could be revolutionary and he wants to help fund it. Mm-hmm. But poor little Gutenberg, he's... He's spending day in and day out trying to to get this press up and and running and everything, and it's just costing more and more money. And Johan is not seeing any of the fruits being returned on this. Man, this sounds like every project I've ever tried to do ever. (laughs) (laughs) Especially like home improvement projects. It's like, oh, I'm going to go to Home Depot and buy this thing, and then I'm going to install it. And then I'm going to go to Home Depot three more times to get all the stuff I actually need to install it. Yeah, that's um, pretty much any project I've ever worked yeah, on. Yeah, or any website I've ever built for myself. You just constantly want to make it more better and better and better and more perfect, and then you spend more money on other stuff you probably shouldn't spend money on. And so I can relate to old Goody. I mean, <laughs> I see where he's coming from. Okay, yeah, so any, anyway, he, he gets this loan from Johan. He's beginning his work, but he's just... Uh, Johan is not seeing the fruits of it, and he's getting aggravated. Let me guess. He sues him. Oh, <laughs> bing, 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 bing. how did you even know? <laughs> now, this was a thing back in the day. I mean, maybe this is a dumb question, but I, I guess I didn't look into this enough. I guess they had a, a functioning legal system and yeah, Fuss they, was like, hey, well, I'm going to get my money one way or another, sucker. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> basically. And I mean, it wasn't even. Yeah. So they had some kind of system set up, but it wasn't. I mean, Gutenberg didn't have any money to give back. Like he poured it all into this project. And so basically what ended up happening was he, he did create a press uh, and began to do work with it. Um, and this is where we actually see the Gutenberg Bible come into play. Yeah. Um, which was by far the most popular book that was printed by this press. Mm-hmm. And it's the one that we, we are probably most familiar with or at least we hear Gutenberg Bible and we're like, oh yeah, that's a thing, you know? Yeah, and this was kind of the start of, of a 
we've said revolutionary a couple times, but specifically in the Christian realm, because now, like I said before, it's not just taking people's word for what the Bible says. It's now becoming more readily available, and it'll still be years before people own them, you know, more commonly, but still, um, this is the beginning of people being able to read God's word for themselves and decide what they believe, decide what it says, decide what it means, and uh, was kind of the fuel for the Reformation. That's one of the reasons we want to talk about Gutenberg is because how this plays into when Martin Luther comes along mm-hmm. and taxes theses onto the uh, front door of the Catholic Church. Yeah, we see a lot of that originate from this. And it was actually, a, it was kind of crazy to think about this. They were saying that Gutenberg produced uh just over or around uh, 180 copies of this Gutenberg Bible. And that, that was huge during this time period. This is the 1450s this took place. Um, there were, it's huge because there were just over or around 30,000 books in Europe at that time. I mean, majority, if not all of them being manuscripts, like yeah. handwritten things. And the fact that he had 180 copies, like that's a significant amount. Yeah, so I did a quick calculation, um, and that is, ooh, if I'm correct, 6%? I think... 0.6%. 0.6%, yeah. 0.6%, Which seems insignificant, but like, it's it's still a pretty big... That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, still, almost a whole percent was made by one dude in not a very long time frame. Like, to try to create 1% of the books, to like, you'd be pushing out some books, man, which, granted, there's a lot more than 30,000 out there today, but that is kind of mind-blowing yeah. that this one dude who didn't even have m- enough money <laughs> to do this thing on his own could make almost 1% of all the books at his in his time. And that's actually, that's kind of how the lawsuit ended up getting settled, which which really stinks. Uh, so essentially he begins making these Bibles and finally they came to a, a consensus that Johan was going to get all of the, the printing presses, um, all of the, the, basically anything that Gutenberg bought for this project was going to go to Johan as well as half of the books that were produced. So, okay. Yeah, Gutenberg's basically in the hole, right? He's got yeah. he's he's almost worse off than he was beforehand. So, Johan, jo, old Jojo, he was kind of like a like a uh, Mr. Wonderful. I don't know if you're a Shark Tank fan. I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> but he always wants to get a uh um oh, what's the word? Is it a royalty? Yeah, not is it a royalty where like basically for they every, they can sell it, but for every one they they sell, he wants a dollar or yeah. whatever. That's Joe. That's old JoJo. He was like, "Hey, that's fine. You're making books now. I want some cash back from that." <laughs> yeah, and and actually, it was a significant amount because the the books were such a high quality because they were they were copied. They weren't manuscript. You know, mm-hmm. I mean. If a guy like me were writing books, oh, man. you wouldn't be able to read half of them just because of my my bad penmanship. Yeah, but even even so, like even even the fact that you you a lot of the people that were writing these books, that's what they did. They were very skilled. Just the fact that you now had a clearly legible, predictable typeface is a like Huge. yeah, it that changes everything. Yeah, and they I was actually reading up on it and. Again, the whole purpose of doing this was 
to, to further information and, you know, and thoughts and insights and, and all of this. And originally this was only information that the rich could get. Yeah. Because it takes so long to, to write out a, a full book and, you know, it's not like making a copy of it is, is easy by any means, but now, uh, Gutenberg is getting to the point where he's, he's trying to produce more so that it is a little bit more easily accessible. So the books ended up being, um, about 30 florins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I did my calculations right, that ends up being about $17. Okay. Um, now granted that's during the 1450s. So still probably pretty expensive for the time, mm-hmm. but it's almost a relative, a relative feel to what we're. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> compared to paying a person to write something for you, like that, that's crazy cheap. Yeah. And not to mention, these things are beautiful. Like Google Gutenberg Bible, that thing looks nice. I mean, if they weren't super rare, I'd have one on my shelf. Um, but, you know, and sorry, I, I'm stuck on this. We were talking about fonts, and I just wanted to say, like, this probably wouldn't work out as well if he'd used, like, wingdings or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that probably would have backfired. Or Comic Sans. Yeah, Comic <laughs> Nobody takes Comic Sans seriously. But no, actually, with you saying that, they did. So it, I guess it kind of depends on the, the the Gutenberg Bible that you're looking at when you Google it, because there were actually there were a number of different variations of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, there were some that had like ornate text and and borders and colors like alongside it, and others that were just kind of plain to to you know just print it and. Um, they were saying that over 135 of the Bibles that he printed were printed on paper, mm-hmm. but the remainder were printed on something called uh, vellum, which is basically parchment made of calfskin. Okay. That sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I believe the one I was looking at specifically was the one in the um, New York Public Library. Uh, okay. I, th- I think they have one on display, and it's even, from what I can tell, got gold leafing around the pages. Like, he he'd took time not just to create this printing press but to create a very appealing like book like something that would kind of be like the centerpiece of a home that owned it yeah it's it's crazy to think about this like he this man made these books these bibles that you know change the way that life is today Mm mm-hmm and that's all we know about him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He died in 1468. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's all we got. I mean, it's, uh, it, it blows my mind to think that somebody so revolutionary has so little information on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I don't, from what my little research that I did, you, you know, you took the lead on this episode. Um, it, you, there's really not much to say about what his intentions were. Like, he probably wanted to make money. He may have been a Christian and knew the importance of um, getting these Bibles out there, but he also just had a good business idea. Yeah. And although he didn't enact it super well, (laughs) and he probably didn't make the quote-unquote millions he would have loved to have made, um, we still, you know, don't know who that much about him exactly like you said what his intentions were what he was even like um 
but we do have a couple of cool heirlooms that hang around that spawned an industry today that makes millions of dollars, if not billions. Yeah. And I mean, even with all that being said, uh, we don't know much about the guy. We don't know, you know, what his intent was behind it, but what he did uh, gives benefit to us today. And whether he was a Christian or not, his work helped to further the kingdom of God. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if he had never gone about creating this press, we, I, I actually, I didn't mention this before. We were talking about the, the Chinese press that was created and it was wooden blocks and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, Gutenberg actually ended up inventing a press um, with metal text uh, that was, that mm-hmm. was set up and there were interchangeable words and letters and things like that yeah. so that it, it was more easily accessible to go on and, and recreate things. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, he was able to set up a full page, make a print of that, make another print of that, make as many copies as he needed, replace it, and do it again. And I imagine the fact that he was a goldsmith played into a lot of that. I mean, he's making these things out of metal, um, and that was his profession before this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the way he did it, like you said, it had been done before, but it was just completely new completely mind-blowing for the time what he was able to come up with so let's take a quick break and then when we come back we'll hit the lightning round we'll talk about fun facts and we'll also talk about why this was important you know we, we've touched on it a little bit already but we'll just be able to talk about um how the bible has gotten to where it is today with a little help from gutenberg This episode of the Bible and Stuff podcast was brought to you by audible.com. Uh, if you've never had the chance to check it out, we encourage you to go go on there and look. They got a lot of amazing books that you get to just listen to. If you sign up now, you do have a 30-day free trial where you're able to download uh, one of your own books and uh, Tanner actually had a, a recommendation that he had come across. Yeah, so there was one that looked interesting to me. I'll be real honest with you, Glenn. I haven't listened to it yet, but since I'm only listening and not reading, it can't be that hard to get through it. Um, <laughs> but it seemed pretty interesting. It's called From Gutenberg to Zuckerberg. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Speaking of our, of our topic today, but the subtitle is Disruptive Innovation in the Age of the Internet. So Gutenberg made the printing press. Zuckerberg, he's all about that Facebook, baby. Truth. So if you get the chance, check it out. We'd love to have you support us by going in there and downloading some books. Yeah, sign up for a 30-day free trial, get a free book on Audible, and uh, help support the show. So again, please support us. Go to bibleandstuff.com slash audible and sign up for your free trial today. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, Like Tanner said beforehand, we wanted to uh, just talk a little bit about the importance of this revolutionary thing that Gutenberg created and then uh, take some time to talk about some fun facts and stories and and just share a little bit more about the after effects. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, like the program? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, Adobe is <laughs> totally based around the Gutenberg. Gutenberg press. made that too. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Man, I hope we get some sponsorship money for that. Oh, plug. we so should. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, don't want to beat the dead horse. We've said it a couple of times, but literally, the Bible is the most owned book we have out there. And if this had not happened, that that wouldn't even be possible. Uh, books would barely even be possible had Gutenberg not started this trend. And, you know, probably someone would have come along and done it eventually, but Gutenberg did it. And like you said, it's it's crazy to think that we don't know that much about him and that he really played such an important role in how the world works. So, yeah, um, I think we can move on to the lightning round, the yeah, best part of the podcast. Good. <laughs> so hit us with some fun facts, Glenn. What did okay, you find so, out of an old Goody that, that will tickle our ears? I just, uh, there's just one story that just kind of, it, it cracks me up. There's, I, I came across a few stories of, of people attempting to and succeeding to, to steal Gutenberg Bibles um, because there were only uh, around 180 made. They're like, they're kind of a big deal if you, if you have one around. Um, and so there's just, I don't know. There's just this one that, that had me cracking up as I was reading it. But in, in 1969, uh, there's this, this guy named, I think his name is Vito, Vito Aras. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. But anyway, uh, Harvard University has a copy of one of the Gutenberg Bibles there. Um, and so in 1969, this guy Vito was in the library at Harvard where they, they hold this book and he like, he, he hid or something and, and stuck in there after hours and got a hold of the Bible. And as he's trying to escape, rather, he didn't, he didn't want to go out like the front door or anything like that. So he's got this rope and he's climbing out of a window and he slips off the rope. Oh no. <laughs> Drops, drops to the ground and fractures his skull. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. So needless to say, he did not end up keeping that Gutenberg Bible. It is safely back in Harvard University. He didn't get away with it. No, he did not. <laughs> but I was just cracking up thinking about this guy, like climbing out of a window with these books that are like... Oh, super like important yeah. historically <laughs> and like have been preserved. And he falls, <laughs> of course. Now, there's another theft story in Germany, correct? There is, yeah. It was, uh, it was actually during World War II. Um, at the end of World War II, Russia um, was, was going through and, and plundering a, a bunch of different um, you know, museums and houses and, and, and things in Germany. And uh, there were actually two Gutenberg Bibles uh, from Germany that were stolen. So in, we, we kind of had an idea of this and there's been like, there's been some conversation between Germany and Russia, like for years about like, that's ours. You, we need it back. Like (laughs) just this back and forth. And then I guess in 2009, uh, there was a Russian government agent that ended up stealing it from whoever had it in Russia and tried to, to sell it for $1.5 million. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't know if this, if he was like trying to sell it on the black market, but 
what wherever he was trying to sell it, he ended up getting caught. So, <laughs> but I think I, I may be wrong in this. I'll have to double check my facts. But I think the Bible's still staying in Russia. It didn't get back to Germany after. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. $1.5 million and he didn't see a penny. Dang no. it, man. But yeah, I, you can, uh, there, there are several museums that you can actually go look at some copies of these. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can't remember. There's, yeah, so in existence now, there are, at least for known copies, there's, there's only 49 copies that have survived from the original 180. Wow. Yeah, and uh, majority are in libraries, museums, like places under lock and key. Um, but majority of them are in Germany, which okay. makes sense. It's where yeah. the dude was from. Yeah, um, and it's important to them. It's part of their history. It's yeah. if there were multiple declaration of independences, France probably wouldn't care to have one. <laughs> I do remember actually when I was in high school. I want to say it was a PBD Essex Museum. Uh, it might have been somewhere else, but we were we were on a field trip at one of the museums out there in the greater Boston area, and they actually had it wasn't it wasn't an entire Gutenberg Bible, but it was it was a, like a few pages mm-hmm. from one of those original 180, and we like got that. to like look at it and stuff, and it was just the coolest experience knowing like there are so few of these in existence, and yeah. like I'm looking at. I'm looking at one of these copies or part of one of these. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still stuck on the fact that almost nobody made money off Gutenberg Bibles. Not him, not the people, not the guy that loaned him the money, not the people that stole them and tried to sell them for $1.5 million. It's kind of a sad story. (laughs) Well, I will say recently there have been some like that did sell. Yeah. And do you want to take a gander at about how much? Oh, man. Well, if the guy that stole it was shooting for 1.5, probably even more than that. Yeah, so 1978, a copy was sold for 2.2 million. Wow. Um, a single volume. Oh, I guess I, I didn't mention this, but the Gutenberg Bible was two two books. Okay. It was, it was a set of two, a volume of two. Um, a single volume uh, sold in 1987 for 5.4 million dollars. Wow. And they have, I don't think they've actually sold one since then, but uh, they were estimating if one, if a complete copy were to sell today, it would be upwards of $35 million. That is crazy. I wonder who's buying that. Like, I want, like, is it a super rich Christian that's just like, man, I would love to have one of these Bibles. That's so cool. Or is it just some dude that's like, look at that? <laughs> he's got it in a case. He's like, yeah, that's a Gutenberg Bible. What of it? <laughs> <laughs> what, read the Bible? No, I've never done that before, but that one, it's cool. I can't read it because it's $35 million, but anyway. Um, I actually had a few fun facts that I just wanted to run through here real quick. Um, but they were kind of a, a leftover from when we did the Bible, uh, how does the Bible work episode. Yeah. Um, but I thought these r- applied more to the printing aspect of the Gutenberg episode, so we saved them for this. Um the Bible is the best-selling book of all time with over 5 billion copies sold. That's insane. That it's, it is crazy. But what's, it's also crazy to think about the fact that there's 7 billion people and there's yeah. not 7 billion Bibles. No. <laughs> <clears throat> um, 
which makes total sense as to why you see people who are very adamant to get like, the Bible translated and distributed. Um, and that that's a great thing. Um, it currently sells about 100 million copies annually, um, making it the most sold book pretty much every year. Um, and it is also the most shoplifted book. <laughs> Speaking of stealing <laughs> stuff and trying to sell it, of course, if there's a lot of Bibles, there's going to be a lot of people that try to steal them. Um, this was not Gutenberg, but it, uh, in a related story, in 1631, two London Bible printers, they accidentally left the word not out of the seventh commandment, which tells you not to commit adultery, and it says thou <laughs> shall commit adultery. <laughs> Uh, you can buy a copy of that one for about $90,000. Um, and it's, it's a pretty famous Bible. I, oh man, I should have, I should have written it down, but I didn't, I think they call it like the Satan, the satanic Bible or, uh, the devil's Bible or something like that because, you know, it specifically tells you to commit adultery. Yeah. Oh, so all interesting stuff, man. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Um, we really enjoyed doing this podcast, and uh, we hope you guys like listening. Um, we always tell you to let us know if you ha- if you have any feedback or questions or comments at hello at bibleandstuff.com, and absolutely do that. Um, especially if we got anything wrong, let us know. We want to keep you guys updated on um, the things we figure out that maybe we misspoke or maybe we just had a bad resource, a uh, bad reference, um, and we want to try to, while we openly admit are not experts try to stay as close to the truth as possible <laughs> also remember to follow us on social media you can find us on facebook and twitter uh you can find us online at, at bibleandstuff.com um and lastly uh, one way you can support the show we would be so grateful if you would do it um is to go to bibleandstuff.com slash amazon and just do your normal amazon shopping whether you're buying diapers like Lynn is because he's getting ready to have a baby <laughs> or um anything else maybe something expensive like a wedding ring or, <laughs> or, a or something like Bible. that <clears throat> absolutely if they sell those they probably have like a replica or something yeah yeah, yeah, yeah gotta be one. pick one up but it won't cost you anything extra and we'll get a small percentage of that and that'll help us keep this thing going and if you enjoy it you know we we would really appreciate any help we could get so um thank you guys and we'll see you next week peace peace